everybody. Howry Cowry here. So glad that you've joined us today at Crossroads Community Church. You know, joining us today for the service is Ben Zobrist. And he's joining us from the 2016 World Series Chicago Cubs. They broke the streak, 108 years, all gone. 108 years, that's about as old as I am. Anyway, he was the World Series MVP. And I'll tell you this, he was definitely the best Cub ever with the last name that starts with Z. I have no doubt about saying that. There's no Oh, well, it turns out I forgot about somebody, Carlos Zambrano. Ben Zobris is definitely the second best Cub ever with the last name that starts with Z, but enough about that. Let's welcome Ben Zobris to the stage. Go Cubs, go Cubs. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Harry, thank you for that introduction, wherever you are. Um, wow, uh, I am so excited to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Excited about this. Um, want to say thank you to Craig Wallen, who got me here, and Pastor Tim and the whole staff here. You guys have been great so far this morning. Excited to see you guys in the seats and just get a chance to connect with you. I know we've got some people with Cubs gear on, right? So it's pretty... I mean, wait, we can't not mention the Chicago Cubs, right? And some of the, I saw some of the stats, or the stats, the videos and things that were kind of going on before the service. It's kind of weird. I, I said to John, I think, sitting next to me, I was like, hey, I, I was like, this is not normal for church, right? Like you walk in and there's baseball highlights playing? No. So, but it was fun. So I'm, I'm really glad to be here with you guys. And um, yeah, it's crazy to be kind of connected to the, the Chicago Cubs engine, right? We'll call it like a, it's a crazy engine. People are everywhere, uh, all over the world, which I, I have loved getting to know different, different people um, that, that'll come up to me and say, and they'll recognize that I, I was a part of that. It's so, it's really surreal to me in a lot of ways. Uh, but that's kind of how people have known me. Like they, now they, they kind of look at me or they, they hear about me or if I'm coming to speak, that, that's one of the ways that I'll be introduced is like a World Series champion with the Chicago Cubs. And, you know, I simultaneously, to be honest, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. Um, but also I'm very proud of it, right? Because I, I mean, I worked really hard for a lot of years to get to that level in the game of baseball. Uh, but also, you know, I got I to gotta be careful not to let, like, that super ego run away with me, right? You know, I mean, obviously, anything you're, you're good at or we're good at, uh, your pride wants to take a hold of it and be like, yeah, yeah, that was me. That was me, right? And so th that does happen at times. I can feel that at times. But I also recognize, like, especially in church, like, I was taught early on that humility is really important, right? To, to be humble about anything that you do well. Um, and... To be honest, like, if you put me back on the field, I think last night my first pitch at the Elkhart uh, County Miracle Game showed that I really, you know, I couldn't really quite get it to home plate for those of you that were there. So, <laughs> not my best pitch in the world. Wasn't that, y well, it was kind of like that Yachty pitch, actually, at the end where I struck out Yachty. Only this time I wasn't trying to do that like I was against Yachty uh, last night. So, I, I, I threw it in the dirt, but luckily my catcher really took care of me. You know, he scooped it up and made it look like it's all good, man. So thankful for that guy. Um, 
Yeah. You know, my kids and my best friends usually keep me humble, too. I mean, there's, there's uh, my kids are, are, are 14, 11, and 7, and, and I recently took the plunge of uh, buying a Kia Carnival. For those of you that know Kia cars, they're pretty cool right now, I mean, to be honest, if, you, if anybody's got one. But, like, a Kia Carnival is actually, um, don't get it confused with a minivan, okay? Because it's... <laughs> It's actually called a Kia Carnival MPV, which is interesting, right? Because it's like, oh, MVP. You were the MVP, right? No, I'm driving an MPV, which is a multi-purpose vehicle. It's not a minivan, okay? <laughs> just, just need to clarify that. Um, but I, I really connected last night at the, the Miracle Game with a lot of people, and particularly the, just the atmosphere, because I grew up in a small town. I mean, I'm a Midwest guy. Uh, I grew up in Eureka, Illinois, about 5,000 people in that town, very similar to an area like this, uh, a lot of blue-collar people just living uh, more simple lives in, in a downtown city, and just going about raising their families. And, and, and you know, my dad, I told uh, Tim this last night, that my dad uh, was a pastor. He still is, pastor of the same church back in Eureka. And so I grew up as this small-town American kid, growing up in church, probably much like some of you did or your kids are at this point. So early on, I was, I was really inspired by just like great underdog stories. And for those of you that were growing up in the 80s and 90s, I don't know if you watched movies like The Natural, if you watched movies like Rudy or Rocky, the Rocky movies, or, um, you know, uh, one of my favorites growing up was Hoosiers, right? Indiana movie. I love the movie Hoosiers. Like, I watched that movie, I, I kid you not, probably close to a thousand times. If it wasn't the whole movie, it was at least the end scene, right? Where Jimmy makes the shot, and I'm just, like, getting amped up before my seventh grade basketball game. Just, just like, this is what life is all about. I need to find a way to win the state championship as an underdog. And from a small town, like, this is what I really wanted in life. I was so inspired by sports stories. And I found early on that that is where I found my sweet spot as a kid. That's where I found a lot of my identity. And I, I caught on to those things, and I, I ended up doing well. Now, granted, if I'd have grown up in a big city, in a place where the competition was a little bit more fierce, I probably would not have been as good of an athlete, or at least I wouldn't have had as much, much confidence. I just believed, because we were winning a lot in a small town, and we had a good, I had a group, good group of athletes around me, I believed that I was a good athlete. I just had this faith that, like, well, why can't I do well? And I, I'd never even thought, to be honest, I'd never even thought about making it to the major leagues at the time. I just, whatever sport was in front of me, whether it was baseball in the summer or football in the fall or running cross country, I ran road races, uh, playing basketball in the winter, I just wanted to play. I wanted to play sports, and I wanted to be a champion. I wanted to be a hero, but, I mean, could I ever be one of those heroes? And you know, going back to the World Series, remembering the World Series moment, just crazy. I still can't believe that I found myself in the middle of that. I can remember like it was yesterday, the, 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 the anxiety, the nervousness before the game, the fear of game seven of like, this is it. There's nowhere else to go. Like, we, it was all on the line in that moment. Um, the preparation that it took, the will to win in that moment, the, 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 the focus and the, the blocking out all the distraction, all that. 
the attention that the entire sports world was paying to it. You know, like you guys as fans were really not the only ones that were feeling all that. I mean, we were feeling it too as players. We really were. It was, it was to, to say that we weren't terrified is, is such a lie. I was absolutely terrified, right, to be honest, looking back on it. But at the same time, I knew what my job was. I knew what I had to do. I just, I felt all the gravity of that moment. And I'll, I'll never forget uh, late in that game, having Araldis Chapman come in and Cuban Superman, right, had closed everything out for us. And he was exhausted. And he gives up that home run to Rajay Davis. Okay, Doug, where's Doug with the Cleveland jersey on? I know, it gave you hope in the moment, but it wasn't long, okay? But that, I remember being in left field, watching that ball go as a home run and going, is this curse of the billy goat actually real? Like, I, I, I honestly, that was the first time all year I really thought, this might be a real thing. And I'm like, God, is this not to be? And, and the momentum shift, and I'll never forget, that, you know, Jason Hayward, the ultimate teammate, pulling us into the weight room as players and keeping everybody out and, and giving us this inspirational speech. And I'll, I'll never forget getting back out there and, and the momentum shift and getting to, to, to have that, that hit that, that put us in the lead. And, and, and after the game, you know, I'm, I find myself hugging Eddie Vedder on the field, you know, or Bill Murray and, and John Cusack. And I'm like, who are, wh where did these people come from? They're just like coming to give us hugs because they're huge Cub fans. And I'll never forget just what it's like to be celebrated like that as a hero in this world. Six million people at the parade. I, some of you might have been there. It was crazy being on that bus holding the M MVP trophy and uh, standing on a stage with my teammates behind me and literally it had to be like the Beatles. People as far as the eye can see. I got asked to go to Jimmy Fallon and Conan O'Brien and, and Disney World on a private jet after that. I, I was the, the parade marshal in a Disney parade down there. And it was just such a surreal thing. But, you know, going from being this small town kid, Midwest kid, to, to an MVP on the world stage was, was quite the shock to my system. It really was. Like I said, the biggest dream I had as a kid was like winning a state championship. This was not even in my purview at all. And all I really wanted to do as a young person was just achieve and kind of feel special in a way and, and win the approval of my, my parents, win the approval of my peers. Uh, just I, I wanted to be this all-American kid and do, do things the right way. And sports... Sports have a way of just offering us this like crucible uh, to build character, and it also brings a lot of things out of your heart that that maybe sometimes you, you don't want to expose, right? There's 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 things that, that that sports does to us in regards to that. There's still looking back on my sports experience, there's still a lot that I think that could be done differently in regards to the sports world. Um, overall, there's so many good things about it. There's so many great experiences I had. Um, but I guess my connection to pushing and striving and 
being the best that I could possibly be at every level and achieving. Like, it took me such a long time to get to that point where I was having that World Series hit. And I just didn't really know um, what that might have been doing to my soul at the time, to be honest. Like, the, the, the question is, like, is pursuing a, being this sports hero at, at that level, was that really, I, I know that that was good for my team. I know that it helped my team. I know that the fans loved it. And I know that I got all this stuff afterwards that really felt good, right? It felt, felt great to be acknowledged. It was amazing to get to go do those experiences. But was that really very good for my soul? And that's the question that I, I had to come to an understanding about because anything in your life that becomes bigger and, and more important to you in some way than being connected to Jesus or connected to the vine himself um, ends up taking us really out of balance. And it, it ends up leaving us a sense of, of distraction, detachment, and ultimately kind of a, a dysfunctional and deteriorating uh, instinct Inner, inner life, in a way. So, so there was something that, that went wrong at that time for me. Like, after, when I came home, something just didn't feel right. Within just a few days, I, was, I, I could feel that I was completely exhausted from the World Series. And within just a few days, I started kind of having trouble sleeping, uh, just a little bit confused as to why I didn't feel as good as I thought I should feel after experiencing that. Uh, and within a couple weeks, I, I really started spiraling in a way and started having, like I said, it was, it was a lot more trouble sleeping, you know, just not really wanting to eat. Kind of my, my motivation was waning. And, and then I started getting some things that were really scary to me. Like I thought I was kind of terrified about game seven, but but when I started getting unwanted suicidal ideation thoughts, I'm like, whoa, 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 this is not me. Like, what's happening in my system right now? I was really confused as to why I had just experienced this amazing thing in my life, and yet here I was feeling, feeling like just completely broken and, and like something's missing. And I, listen, my faith with the Lord, I, I believed and trusted the Lord with my life and was walking with him and also trying to go, okay, God, now you've given me this amazing platform. And there's something incredible about that. But how, how does my faith come into play right now when I'm feeling this way? I didn't really understand. In, in Mark chapter 4, we hear about like four different kinds of soil. If you guys have heard the parable of the, the seed and the sower, right? And in Mark 4, 7, it says, other, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And that's the one that stuck out to me, because the first couple soils, if you read through that passage, pretty clearly are not growing beyond just, you know, the, the ones that, got, that grew up for a second and got choked out. They're pretty obviously not going to be involved in the kingdom of God. And then the fourth soil is the soil everybody wants to be. It's the soil that you... you uh, you grow and produce fruit, and it's pretty obvious that those people are going to enter into the kingdom of God. But the third soil is the really the tricky one that some people are confused about. Well, is, is the third soil, is that person going to be in the kingdom of God or not? And that's where it says, 
It fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And then verse 18 and 19 said, and others, when Jesus is explaining this, he says, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the world, or choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So ultimately, like, when I look at that passage and I look at this ultimate achievement that I accomplished as an athlete, I mean, listen, 5,000 requests within a couple days. And it, it was, you know, just this whole situation where I went from on top of the world to now I'm depressed for months. It, it lasted for a few months before I got to spring training. And, and I had been going through this and trying to figure out how to pull myself up by, by my bootstraps. And, okay, God, if I just read enough, if I just pray enough, just bring me out of this where I can actually sleep again and feel normal again. And I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to feel it. I knew as an athlete, you learn how to push your emotions down. You got to just go to the next play and figure it out. But that wasn't working. And I got to spring training. And I was praying every day. And I, I, was, I was trying to go through the motions and do everything I could in 2017 to, to figure it out. But I just didn't feel the same. Didn't have the same motivation. And I woke up one morning with the word enough on my brain. And I could not get it out of my head. The word enough, enough, enough. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And I knew enough to go, okay, God, this, are you trying to tell me something? What are you trying to tell me? And then I said, okay, all right, yeah, you're right. Enough of the self-pity and the wallowing. And it was like he stopped me in my tracks and said, no, you're missing it. He said, right now when you feel as broken as you've ever been, that's where you were enough for me to send my son to die for you. And that was such a watershed moment for me personally to finally go, what? You don't need me to be a hero? You don't need me to pick myself up by my bootstraps and, and just soldier on? and do better. Like, the sports world needs me to do that. There's no question. My teammates needed me to do that. There are things, there are roles and responsibilities we have on a daily basis that call us to be a hero. Everybody in this room is needing and trying to be a hero on a daily basis. I get it. It's hard. But sometimes it's too much, and it was too much for me at that time. And I needed to know that, that the Lord loved me and saw my value and worth beyond anything I could do. And that message is for everyone. I don't care if you are on top of the world and you will, you, you stay on top of the world. I don't care if you're a billionaire, you have one cent in the bank or nothing. You are valued the same to the Lord. And, and honestly, as heroes, we get that wrong. We forget when we're on top of the world how broken we are and how vulnerable we are and how much we need him. And the Lord took me to that place, and, I, and I'm grateful for it, to be honest. I'm grateful for it. I can look back on it now and say, wow, what an incredible experience to be able to do some of those things in the world and really enjoy that. But then at the same time, how God helped me come back down and realize, you need me. You need me. You need what I have to offer you, not what anything else, anything the world has to offer you. 
In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Who are you when your performance stops? Who are you when the roles and responsibilities in your life change? Who are you when there's no more carrots dangling in front of you, when the music stops, and when it's just you and you, or just you and God? That's it. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of us really know that. And I didn't, to be honest, know that. And I had, I, I knew who I was in Christ. I could read all the scriptures. I could recite some of them back to you. But that still didn't change the fact that I thought I needed to do more for God, as if God needed my help in that moment. Okay, God, you gave me a platform. Here, here's, I need to do this with it or else. He, he doesn't think that way about us at all. He's doing something in this world regardless of whether or not we want to join him in it. It's a privilege to get to join him in it. So when I retired and when I moved on from all this, what I was realizing, what I, what I realized is I spent years and years having a carrot dangling in front of me. I knew when I got to college baseball, okay, played at Olivet Nazarene University, right? There's some of you, okay, we got some Olivet people in the room. You know, I knew that I can make it to the next level. I just got to keep working. And then I made it to professional baseball, and I, I can make it to the next level. Single A, double A, triple A. Made it to the big leagues. It was all a dream. Then I made it to the big leagues, and what next? Well, get that contract. I got a contract. I, I became a starter on the team. Then it was be an all-star. Okay, all right, let's go get that. I went and got that carrot. I was an all-star. Make it to a World Series. Went to the World Series with Tampa Bay. Win a World Series. Became a free agent, went to Kansas City. Won a World Series with Kansas City. Incredible experience. But then what next? Well, there's the penultimate World Series of winning with the Chicago Cubs. We haven't won for 108 years. Okay, let's go get that one. And so we do, right? And in the first year, the problem was I never expected God to put me on the stage to be the MVP. I was a good role guy. I knew where I, where, where, where I was on the team. And I liked to do my job and just go away and just be somewhat normal. And he put me on that stage so that I could recognize that I couldn't do it on my own. The rich young ruler, who was a young guy, young, had his life together, had some things figured out. He hears about Jesus. He's like, there's something missing. I've got a lot of things in my life. I've got achievement. I have a status. I'm young. I got money. People respect me. Thought he knew who he was. But he's like, there's something missing. I, there's something interesting about this guy. Let me go and listen to this guy. And he goes and he asks him, and he says, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And let me frame this up a little bit, because 
as athletes, here's what happens. We go achieve the championship, or we want to achieve the championship. Let's go win it all. It's going to be amazing. And it was, temporarily. The life, the, the way that you feel alive when you win a World Series like that, people are like, what was that like? It was amazing. I loved it. I'm not going to lie. Really cool to fly on a private jet to Disney World and not stand in one line. They take you to the back door. I'm serious. Kids, it's amazing. I hope you get that experience. But, but that's what we got to do and ride the ride as many times as we want. And the world offers you some really cool things in the moment. And some of those are really great and enjoyable. But ultimately, you're asking yourself the same question. That, that made me feel alive, but how can I get that feeling forever? I want to feel alive forever. So I'm going to chase the next thing. What's the next thing that's going to make me feel alive? I need more. And this is what he's asking. What do I do to get this feeling forever? You say you can offer us that. Okay, what do I do? And Jesus says, why are you asking me? There's only one person that's good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, well, which ones? Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says, oh, well, I, I've kept all these. What else am I still lacking then? If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, well, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God it is possible. Amen. And you know, here's the thing. The rich young ruler had it all, and he thought he could bring it with him. He thought whatever treasure and whatever thing it was that he could achieve in this world, that was so important to him. He's like, I'm taking that with me, but what else? There's something else I need to gather up as I'm on my way to heaven someday, or I'm on my way to feeling alive forever. And Jesus is like, actually, there's some things you need to let go of. There's some things you need to lay down. You can't bring those things. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you got to lay it down. And for me, I know that it's, it's never going to be enough when I'm trying to add to what I can bring to the king of kings someday. When I'm trying to do more and, and feel like I'm enough for the people around me or for Jesus himself, like God needs me to stand up here and say this message to you. He doesn't. I get to. It's a privilege. Like seeing these people serve, like it's, it's amazing to serve and also it's taxing, I'm sure, right? 
My dad's been a pastor for a long, long time. I grew up in the church. I know how hard it is to, to have to work. You still have to work and serve people. It's a challenge. It's a heroic venture. But at the end of the day, we're just joining God in what he's doing if we choose to. It's a joy to be able to do that. And when it's too much, guess what? He's okay with you just taking a rest and sitting down and being washed in his love and knowing that you're enough without it. To have forever in your life, to be a champion forever, okay? To, to feel alive forever, to be a hero. You need to lay down whatever crowns or jewels you have and connect yourself to the hero of heaven, right? First song of the day. I didn't talk to them about what they were singing. Hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. There's no hero like that hero. Ultimately, we have to connect ourselves to the hero of heroes in Jesus if we want to feel alive. And that's what the rich young ruler, I wish he would have done. That's what we all need to do, right? We need to connect ourselves to Jesus. He's the vine. We can't truly be that fourth soil unless we're connected to the vine. Otherwise, we're going to toil. There's going to be things that are going to jump on our backs. We're going to gather up stuff, and we're going to have so much weight that we're carrying, trying to bring it to Jesus. Look at what I've done with my life. Aren't I, aren't I a good person? Haven't, haven't I done enough now? And that's how I felt. Even though I didn't realize I was doing that, I didn't realize I was, I was carrying all that with me as I was playing and for these championships. And really what the Lord wanted me to realize the whole time is that I love you without any of that. I don't need any of that. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for these people. Thank you for the opportunity to share some of my story with them. Oh, thank you for the option that we have to choose you and to choose your view of us, to choose to be connected to the hero of heroes in Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would stay close, that we would repent of those things in our lives that we carry, that we want to, that make us feel special, um, make us feel like, like we're important. Lord, I know that every person in this room is important to you. We're all unique in the way that you've gift, gifted us, and we can do some amazing things for those around us, for the people on our team. But ultimately, Lord, whenever we get back to ground level and realize life is hard, you're there for us. You love us more than, than anybody ever could, no matter what we're doing, no matter how hard it is, no matter what we're struggling through. Um, you offer a connection to you. We get to celebrate with you. We're going to celebrate someday way bigger than a six million person parade. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that I've, I've gotten a chance to um, experience that here. And I pray that all of us in this room would just be more connected to you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
I want to give a big uh, thank you to Ben. Can we just say thank you one more time? Thank you, Ben, for sharing that. It's a big deal. Um, two things, two things that he said that we can't miss. Uh, number one, you are enough. I mean, I, I feel like there's so many people that need to hear that. Uh, at Crossroads, we say this all the time, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't matter what state you came in through the door today. You might feel like, man, lightning might strike if I come through the doors of a church. And yet, man, God loves you. And I'm so glad that you're here today. And I just hope that you know that today. You are enough. No matter how low you feel, God sent his son to die for you, to give you a rich and eternal life. And he loves you today, and there's nothing you can do about it. You are enough. That's such a good word. And just to know that at the end of the day, that no matter what prizes we chase after in life, that at the end of the day, it's, it's Jesus that is the one who fulfills. It's such a good word for us to leave with today. It is Jesus who makes us enough. It's Jesus where we find life. Uh, yesterday, when Ben and I were talking, he might not want me to tell you this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we, we gave a fist bump to each other, and you know he bruised my finger with his World Series ring. Like, boom. Like, man, it was painful. It was painful, Ben. Uh, and I was like, oh, I see what you did there, showing off the bling. I see what's going on there. Uh, and I'm just laughing. That's, that's a fun moment. But I mean, it was a massive ring. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, but to think about uh, a guy like Ben, who just shared his story, to experience what he's experienced, and to realize, man, that ring's awesome, and that represents a whole lot of great moments. But at the end of the day, man, it's, it's Jesus is the, the one that satisfies. It's Jesus that is the one who's fulfilling us. And um, I hope that you leave the day hearing that and realizing how significant that is. Uh, here at Crossroads, we end every service by giving people a chance to say yes to Jesus because he is the hope that everyone needs, that every one of us is desperate for. And so I want to invite you today. We're going to sing one more song before we leave. But before we do, I want to invite you to stand with me and close in a word of prayer and just make sure that everyone who's here today has a chance to make sure that you can say yes to Jesus because maybe you're here today and you're realizing, yeah, I am desperate for that hope that Jesus offers me. I am desperate to know that I am dearly and deeply loved by him. And I just want you to know today that if your heart's racing and you're realizing that you're missing something, you've been searching for something, I want to encourage you today that Jesus is the answer that you've been looking for. It says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. And so if you're searching, if you're seeking today, would you pray this prayer out loud with us? Can we all join in together and just say this prayer? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the Savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give him the praise and the glory today because he is worthy. There is no one like him. He's the king of the kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he loves you with an extravagant love today. And listen, if you're here and you've said yes to Jesus for the first time, here's the thing. There's nothing better to celebrate than that. And we want to celebrate that with you. Uh, I got a couple people here. Stu, wave your hand at us. I think I got Michelle over here. If you're outside, Ashley's out there. I think waving her hand right now. If you said yes to Jesus, please come talk to one of us. Let us celebrate that with you and help you take these next steps because Jesus changes everything. And that's what we're celebrating here today. Guys, can we just give God the praise and glory? And let's leave today worshiping him one more time together.